Hey everyone, welcome back to the Dadcore Cinema Club, a celebration of the movies every dad loves. It's a podcast about the cable classic, the movie you've seen a hundred times before, you don't mind watching again on a Saturday afternoon on cable. Catch about halfway through, who cares where it is, just watch the rest of it. I'm your host Brandon, with me as always is Charlie. Hey Charlie. Hey Brandon. Today we're talking about The Equalizer, a big shift into the future from our previous podcast from 1968 all the way up to 2014 now, Anton Fuqua directs. Denzel Washington stars the big movie star performance. It's, I don't know. I, I ran out of steam halfway through describing <laughs> this movie. Well, let me tell you, I'm feeling fully equalized. Oh, I am. Don't, don't talk to me <laughs> till I've been equalized. I've been equalizing all day getting ready for this. Yeah. Every, all I put in like my away message at work on teams. I'm just like, I'm busy. I'm in a meeting. I'm getting equalized. Please do not bother me. Sorry, I'm equalizing. That's a, a big disappointment from the movie that no one ever no one ever says that they've been equalized, that he is the equalizer. People keep asking him who he is, and I kept waiting for him to say, I'm the equalizer. I'm the equalizer. I mean, I can hear Denzel saying I'm the equalizer. Big missed opportunity. It's all I wanted. All right, so what is the equalizer? It's a revenge movie. It's, it's kind of man on fire. It's kind of taken it's kind of every movie where a guy it's kind of john wick it's kind of every movie where a guy with a secret past suddenly has to reactivate himself and become a badass again yeah it really feels like a half remembered version of every revenge thriller you've ever seen Mm -hmm. it's uh while i was watching it i kept like it's sort of like somewhat tony scott i kept thinking of man on fire while watching it i kept thinking it's it's tool man on fire yeah they're uh at one point they even do the like establishing shot zoom in quick cutting tony scott thing which is funny because scott works with denzel or worked with denzel a lot yeah yeah i mean it's definitely awkwardly not i mean pretty coolly aping a lot of other other middle brow movies which is pretty funny there's parts of it that feel like Michael Mann. There's, we'll get to that later. But there's parts of it that feel like Tony Scott. It's just all over the place. But it's a, uh, it's Denzel is a handyman who works at uh, Home Mart. Home Mart, yeah, not Home Depot. Home Depot. Everyone Home in Boston Depot. knows Home Mart. Yeah, it's like Home Depot and Walmart. But he's like a handyman who works there with a mysterious past. He's also like a father figure to everyone he meets. He's got like a coworker who he's who's like life coaching to like make it onto the security guard team yeah he's like everyone's dad that's what yeah. really firmly situates this in our wheelhouse i think he's I, especially I mean, dad to like this young woman played by chloe grace moretz at the at the diner he goes to where he reads books that are thematically relevant to the movie yeah kind of <laughs> the first one at least the first the, one majorly even going back to the very the opening of the movie I made a note because I thought it was really funny. It opens on like a (laughs) Batman style suit up scene, except for he's like lacing up new balances and like making coffee. He has Mm -hmm. like a superhero uh, putting on the outfit montage, but for just being a dad. I thought you were going to say it opens on the Mark Twain quote. Oh, it does open on a Mark Twain quote, <laughs> which is uh, the two most important days in your life are the day you're born and the day you find out why the day you're born and the day you equalize. 
that for me was the most the most important day of my life was the day i equalized yeah that's when i i found out why i was born (laughs) to watch this movie to get equalized yeah but uh yeah he works at the home mart where he's coaching a guy to pass the security guard test he's teaching him how to eat right don't put chips in your sandwich he's teaching him how to pull a big tire he's timing him he's timing everything that's everything that's his thing. That's he's his the whole, coach. Uh, he's the, that's his whole, like, his thing in this movie is he has a stopwatch that he's constantly, it's like they are kind of like, he's not obsessive compulsive. He's just like very, very particular. He's professional. And he's, yeah. he's like, he's constantly training himself, even though he's no longer whatever his past was. So yeah, every, he's, still, he's always mumbling to himself too. He's like, he's like 15 seconds and then he starts it. And then yeah. he's like judging himself based on how well he did whatever task he was like setting his high score for. Yeah. So the movie sets you up to be like, he's obviously, he's still got the discipline. He's somebody with mm-hmm. some kind of like special training in his past. Yeah, he's but not yeah, John Wick. He's not sad. He's just like hanging out and ready. He's cool. He's like far from sad. The, yeah. Other guys at the home mart like ask him what he did before he worked there, and he says he was like a pip for Gladys Knight, and he was on Soul Train, and he's dancing for him. He's that cool was great for me because in the trailer, I, when I I watched the trailer and I thought he said pimp, and I was like, oh, he's making a joke. And then the joke in the movie is way better because he says pip, and then he does a dance. He does. He dances the hell out of a dance. It's so good. Denzel's huh. Denzel's so good in this movie. Denzel, I mean. I say this all the time. He is like the best. Mm-hmm. I, I truly think that he is the best. And he has a superpower for making you watch some shitty movie. And in the moment, you're like, is this really good? Because every second you're watching him on screen, it is good. Like, no matter what you're watching, he is watchable. He's selling it. And the, the, this character doesn't have much of an arc, but he just sells this character the whole time. He's just so fun to watch him equalize everything in his life. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, back to the plot. He's yeah. like, so he's training his buddy. He also has the girl at the, at the, at the cafe and she's like a prostitute and he has an idea that she is, but he's not doing anything. But he's just kind of like watching it happen and waiting for his chance to save her. I think you can tell he has this sort of like fatherly relationship. Yeah, and but then, they don't like, they're not deep into each other's lives. They're just friendly to each other because they're the only two people in the middle of the night every night at this diner because he yeah. can't sleep and she works at night. And then she gets into some trouble. She gets kind of beat up. He goes and fights the mob on her behalf. And then it starts like the whole cycle of revenge. This, like, that, that starts the whole like avalanche of revenge is really what it is. Because once he takes out the mob that was after her, just the mob goes at the Russian mob goes after him. And that's the whole movie. Like that's, that's the whole movie. That's the entire plot. Well, is... the first half of the movie, not even the first, like 30 minutes of the movie is the entirety of what I thought the movie was going to be. Cause like what it plays out essentially like what if taxi driver was like a lifetime movie. Like he is like <laughs> cool. Travis Bickle essentially. <laughs> and he goes, he's got a lot of good ideas in his head. <laughs> he he befriends this underage prostitute. He goes to who she works for, murders fucking everybody. Like the guy they set up to be the heavy of the movie, this Russian gangster Slavi, 
he kills immediately like half an hour into the movie <laughs> he offers uh, the guy ninety eight hundred dollars to buy her the guy tells him to go home and jerk off ninety eight hundred times <laughs> <laughs> and then he gets killed well there's a sick he, he like he acts like he's leaving closes the door locks it turns around and the camera zooms into his eyeball where we can see his thoughts where he's like premeditating all of these murders he's, he's about got mur- to i wrote down in my notes in all caps he's got murder vision he does he's, it's like the uh the guy richie sherlock holmes yeah where he's like pre-visualizing down to the second all of the kills he's about to kill which is which is a good effect i i like that in the guy richie movie so i'm, I'm really glad it's in this yeah <laughs> it's really funny to uh after he like wipes out all of these russian gangsters he's watching the news and they're reporting on it and the news reporter is like a series of execution style gangland murders and i was like what the fuck are they talking about? he kills a bunch of people with like a corkscrew and yeah, like he a shot the guy in the chest multiple times with the corkscrew and then up through the chin into his mouth and he says do you get the point or something like that in russian too they weren't very execution oh, yeah style. classic clean execution style <laughs> corkscrew murders two corkscrews in the chest one corkscrew in the head i mean classic execution so that's that's the first movie that it's aping that it gets out of the way really quick it taxi drivers right out of the gate gets that out of the way and then the the real russian heavies come into town to uh to deal with the situation because he's just killed the entire they're in boston by the way he kills the entire boston Boston arm of the russian mafia (laughs) immediately so they bring in mart what's what's the actor's name martin silkas he was in kingdom of heaven he plays the the asshole in kingdom of heaven he's got the long he's got long hair and a beard in the movie this this movie he's playing like a, a russian enforcer he's like he's like the head of the russian mobs like like fixer who's coming to town to kill denzel I tried so long to place that guy because he looked so familiar to me and I could not clock him. And then like in a flood, I realized that he is um, Galadriel's little uh, like gopher in the Lord of the Rings movies. I whole movie. I kept thinking he was um, using Home Alone three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought he was the main dude for some reason. I thought he was the main dude from Home Alone three. But no, it's just that guy's doing a Russian voice. That sounds like this guy's Russian voice. Yeah. This guy that's in the Equalizer in real life is like uh, from New Zealand. Yeah, not Russian. But that's the power of acting. Oh man, we completely skipped over though the fact that he it does do the trope of like I'm reading a book that is the themes of the yeah. movie because he's reading the Old Man in the Sea that Chloe Gra- Grace Moretz apparently asks him about every night like what's going on in the story it's a cute little it's a cute little detail of the relationship which sets up that relationship to be so much more of the movie but like you said they closed that out she's basically out of the movie half an hour in after he yeah gets she's not for it. in it no. <laughs> anymore after that she's gone no. uh, also she uh, she doesn't want to be a prostitute she wants to be a singer and he yeah, wants to help her do that and she gives him uh her she's got a singer name too yeah she's got a little demo cd that she slides to him before things go down we never get to hear it though that i thought that was really bizarre. i thought he would help her edit it like he could equalize the levels well i thought at the end when they had their little moment together he was going to be like oh i listened to your cd and it was great but nothing <laughs> but yeah 
I thought it was really funny too. At one point, she asked him, "Did you always read books?" <laughs> <laughs> like it's a special hobby. It really reminded like, it's me such of a weird yeah. thing. Because I recently watched they came together the uh, you like fiction books, <laughs> bit, but for earnestly. But yeah, he's reading Old Man in the Sea, and he explains it to her as you know. He explains the whole story, which I think that's like a high school book. I I read that in high school. It's um, uh, a part of a lot of curriculum because it's super yeah. short. You can teach it like really quickly. So I'm sure like people are aware of it, but he like explains he explains the whole plot to her, which I th- always think is a funny note. Is because movies or in in any show that does this kind of trope will use some kind of common book that everyone knows, but then still explain it. So mm-hmm. he explains to her it's the old man who's you know finally catches like the biggest fish of his life, and he feels finally like for the first time he feels reinvigorated as a fisherman. And then it gets taken away from him because there's consequences. Sharks come and eat the fish, but then his life's better because he's learned to get his confidence back in his old age or whatever, Um, which kind of mirrors his story. Like him saving her is like capturing is like catching the Marlin. Right. And then the consequences of the Russian guy coming in to kill him is the sharks that eat the Marlin on his way back to shore. Well, it also has a really heavy handed. uh, She's like, if he respected the fish so much, why didn't he just send it back? And he's like, old man's got to be the old man. Fish got to be the fish. You got to be what you are in this life. That like, it's impossible for him to just be the home mart worker. He will always be the murder guy because that's what he is. Fish got to be the fish. Yeah. Um, Equalizer's got to be the equalizer. I thought it was like funny how on the nose um, all of that was because the next book that he's reading is Don Quixote. <laughs> Which, which is like the, the opposite of what's going on yeah. in the movie. Like, she asked him actually, what, Don what the new book's about. And he says, it's about a guy who thinks he's a knight in a world where there's no more knights, which he's using Don Quixote as like a, a, a thematic parallel to how he has honor in a world that's lost it. Like he is still a fighter in a world that doesn't have them anymore, except that's not what <laughs> it's not like what yeah. Don Quixote is. Don Quixote is like a buffoon. And yeah, it's a sad in this movie is an actual knight. Like he is actually extremely yeah. capable and getting a lot of things done. He's not tilting at windmills. He's yeah. killing bad guys. It's like if you use like Monty Python or the Holy Grail as your as your parallel in your movie. It's like, yeah, it's a movie about King Arthur. Yeah, sure. <laughs> totally. Uh, the movie, because um, it starts out and it gets through all of that, like pretty quickly um but then it just kind of like goes on this little tangent like side mission <laughs> where uh, his buddy that um wants to be the security guard doesn't show up to take the test because he has to help his mom whose like shop has been burned down because she didn't pay protection money to these crooked cops mm-hmm. so he's got to take a a break out of the 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 russian situation to go equalize that yeah, he's he just goes threatens the lives of these cops, breaks one of their arms, I believe. Yeah, the the crooked cops that are apparently like torching people's businesses if they don't pay. One of them, I was like, oh hell yeah, Boston movie. We got Donnie Wahlberg, and then he turned around and I was like, oh that's not Donnie Wahlberg. It's just a guy <laughs> that looks like him. And then the credits rolled, and it's just a different Wahlberg. <laughs> Wait, which one it's was a, it? I want to say Robert Wahlberg. Yeah, I'm looking at uh, Robert Wahlberg. I had it in front of me. Amazing. Yeah, I, it like that immediately like placed this movie on a I, there are like tiers of boston crime movies like if you're gonna do the good one you get affleck another tier down you get mark Wahlberg, and then when you're scraping the bottom of the barrel you get bobby Wahlberg. you get bobby so the 
while all of this is happening, the the Russian mafia is like trying to figure out who he is and like what the hell is going on and why he killed everyone. He's also there's like a guy that robs the home mm-hmm. mart that he like lets happen and then it just it doesn't even show him equalizing that. It just shows him taking like a sledgehammer off the wall and wiping blood off of it later. Yeah, <laughs> he takes it. he steals the sledgehammer. He like the guy's robbing and he tells the lady, like, just give her your just tells the cashier, just give him your your ring. It's okay. It's okay. And then the guy leaves and you see Denzel take a, a sledgehammer off the shelf and then like they cut and he comes back and he's wiping blood off of the sledgehammer in the home in the store. <laughs> so he just didn't clean it before he brought it back. It was like dripping blood as he's walking in. Just like just don't just carry this evidence. Walking through, like there's cameras in the store. And then he um puts it away. He just puts it back. Why didn't he just yeah. buy a sledgehammer? He uh <laughs> He also like while the robbery is happening, he does his murder vision thing where he's like, how can I fucking kill this guy in broad daylight? And then sees that there's a kid behind him and it's like, mm-hmm. oh shit, I can't. The other important thing, uh, it's a little subtle, so I don't know if you caught it. Uh, he sees that there's a skull on this guy's, like, it's his belt buckle or something, or maybe it's a tattoo, I can't remember. There's a skull on the guy's chest. He's making connections. Which, there was also a skull in the Russian mob's offices. So skulls are bad, I think, is what the movie is saying. Yeah. <laughs> skulls are bad guys. The skull guys are definitely the bad guys. It's like he's playing a video game and it's like, how do I know if it's like an NPC or, or, or an enemy? And it's like, oh, the health bar is red. There's Got a glowing it. red emblem over these guys. Got it. I can target this one. But that part also sets up that like the his buddy that he was training does become a security guard, but he he doesn't stop that robbery and he feels no. he feels bad about it. And so coaches him, though, he pats him on the shoulder and tells him it's OK, dude, he would have like yeah. murdered you with a gun. You don't have one. It's fine. Plus, I'm here to equalize the situation. <laughs> and the whole time this is happening, um, the Russian guy who's the, the, the fixer, his name's Teddy. Nikolai mm-hmm. Ichenko, but they call him Teddy. Uh, he's come to town and his first step is to go to the most stereotypical Irish mob uh, house, which is like a construction yeah. site, I think, office. Or yeah, something. he's like a, a union boss. Yeah. And he just goes and just he starts insulting those guys for um being untrustworthy and greedy uh with the implication being that that comes from them being irish because he says you people or something yeah yeah and then he a lot of, uh, kills them even he is reporting to a, an even higher bad guy named mm-hmm. pushkin and he's telling him like we're looking into everybody there's the irish the albanians like he's just listing off the nationalities of all the other gangs in boston but they Which only go like, to the Irish one, though. It's the only one he visits. Well, yeah. The He also has, as his, like, lackey, as their cop, oh. dirty cop on the inside, is uh, David Harbour. Who I love in this movie so much. Yeah, who really doesn't want any of this to be happening. <laughs> he's fr- he's so frustrated the whole time. He's getting dragged along, and he's just saying to Teddy, like, dude, don't don't kill these guys. Please, please keep my town safe. Like, it's my town buddy. He's pulling the it's my town buddy card in, like, every single scene. Yeah. They're going into like the Irish mob headquarters. He's like, whatever you do, don't call the guy Little John. Just don't. He immediately calls him Little John and yeah. beats him half to death. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, and as soon as uh, the Russian guy attacks like the Irish mob leader, you see like David Harbour like does like a sigh and then ices the guards because he's like, yeah, I don't fucking want to do this shit. But I, I'm with this guy. So I got to got to ride with this guy. Uh, Russian mobster Teddy. They uh, they do 
this thing where they like show him take his shirt off and like lean back in his chair and go down his chest and like show all of his Russian gangster tattoos, mm. which is really funny because it just was making me think of uh Manhunter. Yeah, from, like, like Red, Red Dragon, Dragon Manhunter. Um and also uh Eastern Promises mm-hmm. uh has like a lot of shots like that. But like the movie doesn't really care about it. It's just like Look at how scary this guy is. With all I almost couldn't tell they were trying to do something with it because they kind of like spin the camera and he leans backwards upside down. So that, like he's upside down in the frame and then they cut to a skyline. And it's I, there's like something with that cut where it goes from his body is the upper half of the image <laughs> to cuts to buildings bottom half of the image. And I'm like, were they trying to do something? It doesn't say anything, but I think they were trying to do something with that imagery and it doesn't work. It's funny like how often i feel like this movie recalled other movies given how like uninterested it is in exploring any of that Mm -hmm. it's just like throwing stuff at you with no thought behind it it's an amusement park of different movies so you know you're not gonna do heat but you are gonna go on like one roller coaster ride which is the you know the diner scene of heat (laughs) the the uh girl that he's trying to help wanting to be a singer uh is also just straight from taken which i feel like this movie is most directly recalling uh and i there's some it is interesting to me because like taken the whole deal with that movie is like what if we had like death wish or like a steven seagal movie but instead of bronson or seagal it we have this like cultured like oscar prestigious actor in the main role like Like an a-lister yeah like that's the that's the sell that's like the novelty is like seeing him do that uh but i feel like once neeson switched fully into that mode Mm -hmm. he lost a lot of that uh he stopped being he started just just doing that now he just does movies like that or like the ice road trekkers movie on netflix the thing is, though, with Denzel Washington, he's kind of been doing shit like this for decades and has yeah. lost none of his credibility. He's got I was thinking unlimited about juice. He's bulletproof. I was thinking about that all day today, how unique Denzel is among other A-listers, because I feel like I put Denzel on like the A-list next to uh, stars like Tom Cruise. And regrettably, like, nowadays, the A-list is also, Denzel, uh, also um, Dwayne Johnson and and ryan reynolds um he's like up there where he can sell any movie of any size at all but he also makes the kinds of movies that mark Wahlberg makes like antoine Fuqua movies he's like <laughs> not afraid to make these movies that cost in like like these mid-budget movies that only make like 170 million dollars and are kind of you know mid-level six out of ten movies but it doesn't hurt his ability to just then go and do macbeth Right, yeah. Like, no one would ever question if he, like, still has it because he's just making a bunch of garbage. Like, if you look at, like, who who makes movies with Fuqua, it's Wahlberg makes movies with Fuqua, Jerry Butts makes movies with Fuqua, and Denzel. And only one of them can go and make a movie like Ma Rainey's Black Bottom or Macbeth or Roman J. Israel Esquire. Only Denzel can walk between these two modes of, of movie star. He's mm-hmm. such a unique presence. He's also like just by not doing television, like separates mm-hmm. himself from a lot of modern actors. Like 
I feel like even like Neeson to an extent hasn't like lost at all just because like as long as you're doing movies you're Mm -hmm. in like the the modern landscape you are like a movie star Mm -hmm. since so many people are moving to these like prestige television dramas yeah it's just yeah it's so interesting because like this movie is cool this movie's super cool but like it also feels so weird that a guy like Denzel, and he's been making movies like this his whole career but like, it's so weird that he can do this and then turn around and still you know nine or eight years after this he's he does Macbeth, and then he's going right back to doing equalizer three is his next movie after Macbeth. <laughs> like who can who can do that like he's he's an academy award nominee for Macbeth. And now he's going to do Equalizer 3. That's his follow-up. Well, like, he's so good at this shit, too, that, like, he won an Oscar for a training day. Yeah. Which is, like, the pinnacle, the, like, the top doing the absolute most <laughs> with mm-hmm. a uh, a cable movie. Like, I feel like the the script and the styling of training day is only like a few degrees more elevated from the equalizer. And mm-hmm. like the fact that Denzel could turn in a performance in that that was like cartoonish but also like legitimately scary mm-hmm. is such a insane flex. Yeah. No, that performance is up there with like Dennis Hopper in in Blue Velvet which is a cartoony over the top performance but is also terrifying. Mhm. Um, so there's just few actors who can pull that off and Denzel is one of them. That movie is also interesting because it's like Fuqua made it. It was written by David Ayer. And it's probably the best thing either one of them has ever made. Not even probably. <laughs> it's the best thing either one of them's ever made. And it's mostly because like Denzel is just such a strong presence. Yeah, he's like burning through the screen in that movie. Yeah. Cannot take your eyes off of what he's doing. He's a lot more... Uh... A lot more dialed back, chilled out in this one. Yeah, this one's kind of like an interesting follow-up to Bullet in the sense like it's it is a lot like Bullet in that it's very movie star performance where he's not doing a lot and doesn't have a his character doesn't have an arc in this. He doesn't go anywhere like it's plot wise it's kind of similar to Man on Fire in that he's a he's going out and, and getting revenge and pr- to protect a, a young woman and that's kind of what drives the plot. But in Man on Fire, he's this man with an arc. He's a man who's lost, who finds a reason to have hope and to care again. And in The Equalizer, he's a guy who already cares and has a good heart. And he just kind of goes back to doing his job as a as a cold killer. Yeah. Well, like, he yeah, doesn't there's... really have a, an emotional arc. He just like just starts equalizing again after years of not doing it. Yeah. Well, there's like the whole little he. So while the while the Russians are looking for him, he does like a little fake out so that he can escape them and go out into into the country and see. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I guess what they apply was like his former handler when he was in whatever agency he was in, who's married yeah. to Bill Pullman, who when I saw him thought was going to be like a major player in the movie, but he's just a wife guy. He's has like two lines. Yeah, when I saw him build, I thought I think he was like fifth build or something. I was like, "Wow, <laughs> Bill Pullman!" I'm like, I can't wait to get the Bill Pullman of this movie. I'm waiting the whole movie. When they showed the crooked cops, like they showed him from behind for a second, I was like, "I hope that's gonna be Bill Pullman." Because it's just the back of a guy's head. I don't know. I'm like, it's not. Never was. And then he just has like he has maybe two scenes. Yeah, 
Um, but the whole point of that is for him to like go back to who he used to work for to like mm-hmm. get permission to return to his life of like dealing out violent justice to people. He basically doesn't ask, but he's essentially asking, "Hey, is the government gonna come for me if I kill this guy? Is this like a guy I can kill?" Yeah. Well, like, that's another thing where, like, this movie kind of acts like it's doing something, but ultimately, like, does not care. Mm -hmm. Because she tells Bill Bill Pullman, he's like, he just came back to ask for permission. When, like, a scene earlier, she she gave him permission with no, like, no conflict. She's just like, yeah, I mean, you do do what you got to do, man. Go for it. Go equalize. Yeah, and like it's just it's 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 really weird. The movie does not, and it shouldn't. It shouldn't, but it does not care about like the crimes. He he's not careful with his murders. I guess is what I'm going to get at here. He does. It's not like he's oh he's just a perfect assassin. He doesn't leave anything behind. No, he's doing really messy kills with sledgehammers and killing guys with objects around their office. And yeah, just yeah, who no one can figure out what's going on. He's also like while he's killing people is just like stone faced mm-hmm. no exertion just cat like so casual about it i thought it was really funny too that like he's obviously like just an older guy and he's like got a little bit of a gut and he's just like carries himself <laughs> like a guy that works at home depot <laughs> it's like, like such a uh, such a dad fantasy um the the i still got it fantasy the i might be 62 or whatever but if someone started something, I could end it. Yeah, and I've still got it with like no no introspection, mm-hmm. no like, is it is it wrong? Like, what's the I emotional like cost? This type of movie, where I mentioned Death Wish before, where it's like purely exploitation. Like the value of the movie is that it's like this really exciting to get, like watch someone get some kind of even vaguely justifiable revenge on someone where like in the years leading up to and after this movie i feel like those kind of things had like kind of gotten a little more heady um with like jason bourne type stuff and like Mm -hmm. the the affleck crime boston crime things whereas like this one is like a a a throwback Mm -hmm to the good old days of just you're just watching this guy take people out yeah because like to contrast it with a movie that came out the same year because this was 2014 and a couple months after this john wick comes out and not to act like john wick is like the pinnacle of storytelling but that first john wick movie when he like is in pain for the opening then the guys kill like his dog and steal his car and he has to like painfully dig out his old kit from his under from like the his basement. Oh, it's his garage, right? He's going through the cement to break mm-hmm. it out. It's like you get this you get this very visual storytelling feeling of like this is he's going through so much pain and he's going through so much effort to go back to the person he used to be, and it is so hard and so painful, but he needs to because of what's happened to him. And this movie, on a dime, Denzel's just like, well, it's time to go murdering. <laughs> He even like has a little monologue at one point where he's like, you know, you're just living your life. And then all of a sudden, someday you see somebody do something bad to somebody and you can do something about it. <laughs> so you got to go do it. Yeah. You just yeah, you do it because you can. And it feels good. Yeah. And then that uh, kind of brings us to 
the entire third act, which the Russians like after he has like he he's like blown up their ships and like found their money stash house and given it all oh. away. No, no, we got to we, we got to go before that because we skipped over the most important part of this movie. Uh, it's when David Harbour's in it, right? Uh-huh. He he finds out because the most important thing he finds out from uh, Bill Pullman's wife, Melissa Leo plays her. Um, what he finds out from Melissa Leo is that David Harbour's character is the dirty cop on the inside that he needs to go after. And he gets right. to David Harbour's house. He like gets David Harbour in his he tricks David Harbour like Looney Tune style and going to his car. <laughs> he like sets the car alarm off or something. And so David Harbour gets all the way into his car, sits down to turn He's off like, the alarm. What the heck? What the heck is going on? Outside. Denzel just shuts the door on him and is like, hey, guess what? <laughs> your car's filling with the exhaust now because yeah. I have I have your little uh, remote and it turns your car on. It controls the windows. Mm-hmm. Um, it does everything I need to do from your with your car remotely. Yeah. But like with a, it's a very you... typical remote that clearly only has like the, yeah, the little the, key fob that unlocks just, it. He's it's rolling a, it's up a the typical window. unlock key fob, except this one controls the windows. I mean, there's no obviously no controls for the windows inside because Harbor's suffocating. <laughs> in the car and he also can't like break the window i guess he's such a big guy he could break that window (laughs) he just didn't want to denzel is like i'm gonna garage suicide you if you don't tell me what i need to know it's kind of a really scary yeah like the way harbor plays it he's like spitting all over himself and it's like a little he's mad but he's scared it felt a lot more real than the rest of the movie Mm. Denzel's a scary guy in this movie. Like the, his kills, it's always about bullet. Like this movie is does not get that gross. But then when people die in this movie or have violence enacted upon them, they, it like gets really violent. His kills on like the the first Russian guys he kills, it's really brutal. He like kills the one dude with the corkscrew. Mm-hmm. It's pretty like stylish too. I kind of mm. like the way it's all staged and shot. It but, doesn't um, feel like because like Denzel an older guy it really doesn't feel like they're cutting around him and trying to like hide what he's doing it's all yeah. it's not like played in a wide or anything but it's all pretty fluidly put together it works because they have him do brutal acts like very quick and very blunt acts so that he doesn't have to do anything that's like a little more dancerly like they would do with mm-hmm. someone younger it's just no you're gonna like just punch a guy real hard with something sharp and it's gonna kill him yeah which is like, it's like yeah, two moves and the fight's over uh but he gets David Harbour. David Harbour gives up because he doesn't want to suffocate in his car and takes him to like the stash house. And that's the most important scene of the movie in the stash house. When yeah. he, when he does the gif, when he does the gif, which <laughs> is so much better with sound. It's really fucking funny. The way it's he sets so it up too. He's like, that's a cool gun. Can I see your gun? <laughs> and then the guy's just like, Oh, you want to see my gun? And Denzel's like, yeah. And he puts the gun in front of Denzel's face. Denzel grabs it and there's a I didn't I've never seen the scene before I didn't know there was an audio cue so as soon as he grabs the gun it goes boom and then the camera like immediately it goes swivels to, like, around a and, and pans around him a little bit because he's in control now the camera like swoops around because we're on his side now it's and really the, really funny you could have it without the the sound cue which is like I, I've only ever seen the gif and I'm like okay that's that's really cool with the sound cue it's so fucking funny <laughs> His little face, too. He does like a, ooh, gotcha. (laughs) Yeah, he's, yeah, it's so good. It's really funny. But yeah, then, like, they're surrounded by other guys while he's pointing the gun. Who do nothing. After the gif happens. Yeah, and he's like, 
these guys will listen to you if you tell him to like put all your guns down and he doesn't say anything and he immediately just points the gun at his dick <laughs> it yeah, worked he's he's uh he's a professional all you need to take work. down the whole team is to point your gun the gun at one guy at the leader <laughs> and i think that's the only time he uses a gun in the whole movie actually yeah well one we so after after that he like gives away all their money they're like fucking He's giving it away to the help. Like he's letting, he's clearing out the stash house and he's letting the help go. And he's handing them out like wads of cash. He's like, everyone gets one. Let's go. And he has, ends up having a perfect count because the last, the last stack in his hand goes to the last person. And he like celebrates a little bit. (laughs) He's like perfect count. Puts his (laughs) hands up. (laughs) Yeah. There's not a lot of flourishes to the performance, but these, these little scenes where he's just like, you can tell Denzel's having a little fun. Yeah, he's giving a little bit to it. Yeah. He's definitely not just like cashing a check for this. Oh, it's I don't a think great I've performance. Ever seen Denzel just like phone it in and look bored? He always like it seems like he just enjoys being in movies. Mm-hmm. It's infectious. Um, so yeah, they this gets the Russians real mad. He has a little uh sit down with with Teddy, where they have like a face to face. It's the heat uh, scene. Yeah, we'll talk. Which is great. You love to have that because they've they've already like Teddy has shows up to his apartment earlier acting like a cop, mm-hmm. which Denzel like clocks immediately. And he's like, so that like they I, I like it when you have the heavy and the and the hero talk to each other a few times before the final yeah. show. It kind of it sort of hints at same thing we're talking about before. This movie's a lot of different movies. This is the Michael Mann. I'm giving like a parody, a parody, parody between our, our hero and villain, aren't they two sides of the same coin? Uh, deep professionals with different levels of honor. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, like, like there's that. Hey, we he, have an like, understanding of each other. Because yeah. Like both. Teddy shows up and is like, hey, you know, we're just checking up on you. And Denzel's like, who is? Like, who, who, who are you <laughs> with? What are you doing? <laughs> How'd you find me? Uh, you know, we just found you. He's like doing a Boston accent, too. And that, that uh, actor's great. We didn't talk about him too much, but like uh, Martin Zokas is is amazing it's really good in this movie he's like a real good uh russian prick is like his whole performance yeah there's was another like really upsetting part where he's um talking to the like i could i couldn't tell if she was another prostitute or like the madam or like the handler she was another one of the prostitutes she was like friends with uh, the main girl in the movie yeah and he finds out that she has lied to him and they have a conversation which like plays out over a few minutes and the whole time you know he's about to kill her and you yeah. just don't know how or when it's going to happen and he's like messing with this little music box it's and then when he does kill her he pretty much it's like uh what like sleeper holds her to death yeah. well you give her a glass of water first yeah he does it's pretty That's nice true. yeah he's yeah. not all mean yeah, I mean, let her go out not dehydrated, at least. Pretty thoughtful. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So they're all pissed at Denzel. They find out through some, like, pictures that they've taken that he's buddies with the Home Mart security guy. <laughs> so the Russian people take all of the Home Mart employees hostage <laughs> and call Denzel and tell him to turn himself in or they're going to kill all the Home Mart stock boys and... Yeah whatnot and denzel's like oh i'm coming and he takes the bus and it's an important detail we forgot <laughs> he is a respecter of public transit he takes the bus everywhere in this movie yeah um or yeah he takes a bus and he walks yeah 
And he takes the bus, except it turns out he left his cell phone on the bus, so they're tracking the wrong thing, and he really went to Home Mart. Yeah. And he sneaks uh, in, and he kills all the bad guys in Home Mart. And the whole last half hour of the movie the last is such cool part of the movie, he Yeah, he, he doesn't bring a gun with him. No. He just cuts the power and sets up a bunch of Home Alone-style traps for them, which is it's, pretty great. He even, like, I thought... It was like a direct Home Alone reference because at one point they just show him sitting there heating up a doorknob with a blowtorch. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh man, he's doing the hot doorknob thing to these guys. But then he just uses it to like yeah. cauterize one of his own wounds. I was so I was so excited for him to use it on somebody. But then, yeah, he just cauterizes. The <laughs> one that I fucking loved was he like sets up this torch and like tripwire. And I was like, what the fuck even is that? Like, A... Who would fall for that and be like, what is it even going to do? And they immediately see it. And I was like, I don't understand. But then he's standing behind one of them with a drill in the back. <laughs> it was just a weird distraction that he set up. Yeah, he's just like waiting for them to notice the trap and then back away from it. So he can drill the guy <laughs> in the back of the head silently because no one notices. Yeah. And then he just sets quiet. the drill down and there's just a shot of just the drill by itself. He doesn't. Yeah. He's like has so much stuff set up. He doesn't. He doesn't linger on any one weapon. He moves on quick. His first trap is really cool because it's just like a barbed wire noose. that yeah. It's a noose trap. So the guy steps on the, the trip wire and he gets like taken up by it and he just gets choked out by by this uh, barbed wire. And then the second guy who comes through, there's actually a really good shot. It's this uh, it's this uh, above, shot from above of the guy hanging. So the guy's hanging on the right side of the frame and it's all it's all dark like so it's in shadow except there's light in the aisle because it's the middle of the store aisle and then from the left his buddy walks in and just his shadow casts across this the shot i thought was really nice and then the guy gets stabbed in the neck with a uh, knife <laughs> that's attached to like the end of a rake or something yeah it's one of the things that you use to like cut really tall branches it's like one of the big extendo mm-hmm. clippers yeah he right really wrecks somebody <laughs> one of those big claw um the, the whole time all this is happening, too, there's a pretty sick, um, like, knockoff Nine Inch Nails song mm-hmm. going on that isn't actually Nine Inch Nails. It's just, like, part of the score, which I liked a lot. I like the music in this a ton. Yeah. It kind of reminded me of the Tenet score. There's a lot of, like, going on in it. It's per- especially when it ramps up in like this last 30 minutes as the movie gets more violent. Because I was sort of waiting the whole movie for it to get this violent. Um, yeah so we were talking about levels of respectability and how older uh, revenge flicks like death wish are way grungier and i kept waiting for this movie to hit that level and it takes until that last half hour to turn it up but when it hits that that's all of those kills in the last half hour are fun it's a slow movie that's my one yeah knock on it it's, it's like, like t- it's two hours long and <laughs> the the little like diversions that it takes during it i was almost thinking like i don't know what the fuck this has to do with the main storyline is this some kind of callback to the like tv show i think like is this supposed to be episodic like how the tv show was but it's like i've never i've never watched the equalizer but i understand this movie to be pretty far removed from (laughs) what was going on but yeah like like you said it's kind of like there's an origin story with the girl and him saving her and then he has like a filler episode with he rescues his friend whose uh, family business is getting extorted and he rescues the the lady for or he not rescues he equalized the robber 
uh, and then it goes back into the main story again. So it's like you have your season and you have your filler arc in the middle, and then you have like the oh the plot comes back in for the finale. Yeah, it's sort of the structure some, like, of this movie. The middle of the movie has like a bad guy of the week section. Yeah, yeah, but once it once it gets to the the home home mart home alone home mart alone section <laughs> of the movie it yeah it gets pretty it's gnarly right. he uh puts a bunch of spray paint cans in a microwave mm-hmm. it's the old under siege trick you put explosives in the mic i think i thought there were gas canisters oh okay in the microwave very dark but either way he uses the microwave as a detonator for a bomb basically yeah uh how like i don't really no, because the guy walks in the room and the lights turn on and then the microwave starts up. So I don't know how he like how he rigged that to happen. Yeah. So like it would work. The microwave part would work, but the power's out when he puts the stuff in the microwave. He tells his buddy to turn the power on. But Denzel's presumably not next to the microwave when the power gets turned he, on. He runs in and presses start and runs back. Out. Yeah, like, like maybe, maybe <laughs> he was ducked underneath it. And so he hits <laughs> he hits start and then he dashes out of the room because the it blows the up. The the thug is standing right in front of the microwave when the power turns on. Yeah, like a fool. The other weird thing about this is like the big showdown fight is not with the main bad guy. Like the long drawn out fight with the glass. Yeah, where he's like is a against the the weird mustache henchman and not Teddy. Yeah, because he's hiding behind. He's hiding like the living room furniture section. There's a bunch of mirrors. And he's clearly watching the mirrors, but he doesn't have a gun or anything, but he's watching the mirrors to see what's going on. And then the bad guy notices that there are mirrors. So he shoots them, which leads to Denzel killing him with a shard of mirror. Yeah, but like the the main bad guy, he just walks up behind and shoots with a nail gun. Yeah, but it's the coolest fucking part of the movie because they do a rainy nighttime showdown inside of a hardware store by shutting the power off again and then having the sprinklers hit so when when the bad guy's about to kill the buddy like the the security guard denzel turns the corner and a in a rain slick scene except it's rainy because the fire (laughs) suppressants turned on he turns the corner with like a, a, a sidearm it's like what's that Except you know it's a nail because a nail hits the bad guy. <laughs> it's like yeah. the, the, the bad guy's about into to the shoot. wall behind him. It yeah, the bad guy's about to shoot body. <laughs> um, the security guard, and then he gets hit. And the security guard looks up where like the, the projectile hit the wall, and it's a nail. And you go, "Oh fuck! That could only be one guy." <laughs> the equalizer. He's coming in, people, but they're about to be. He just turned. It's such a it's such a cool action guy shot because he turns the corner. He like lifts the nail gun to the side of his head, like holding it up, uh, like a bat, like he's about to fucking then aim it forward. It's the badass shot, except it's with a nail gun. It's it's so fucking cool. It's so the, I was like the photography in that scene is gorgeous. It's it, beyond it anything looks else in the nothing movie. like the rest of the movie. It reminded me of a uh, the Grandmaster. I don't know if mm-hmm. you've seen that. The like Wong Kar Wai. Uh, there's like this fight scene in the rain. It, it's, a, I don't know. It the the yeah the way that that scene was photographed, I thought was incredible. It's incredible. The the way actually this movie uses the whole time I was watching it. There are these moments where it uses like shadow at night really really well. There just it can be beautiful and the nighttime shots. It it uses shadow so well like i said before the guy hanging from the ceiling and his buddy coming in to check at him and his shadows cast across 
uh, the light of the alley uh, or of the aisle. It's really beautiful that those shots of Denzel in the quote unquote rain at the end are amazing looking. It's even kind of cool when it shoots him walking away from an explosion. Um, right yeah, and it's too, all in slow mo. Yeah. You get the like a uh, gas tanker truck blowing up in slow motion and all the rubble at his feet. Yeah, it, it has the classic uh, walking away very close and very calmly from a massive explosion in slow mo, mm-hmm. not looking back to see the havoc that you've just wreaked. You blew up like a tanker of stolen goods or something, drugs. I don't know. Yeah, he really disrupted the the Russian cash flow. But yeah, I, the just thinking about like the way it was shot, I feel like also really places this in the like cable movie thing because there are a few like really pretty and really cool shots, but the style of the movie is not like working towards no. anything. You're not getting some. Or it, it it doesn't feel like you're getting some kind of like stylistic or artistic statement by watching through the whole thing. Occasionally it will have shots that are like, I know like what this movie is going for in this shot, but the shot does not tie into a, an overall aesthetic where I look at this and go, Oh, this is Fuqua's movie. I'm like, no, that's a cool shot there and a cool shot there, but there's nothing tying those shots together throughout. Yeah. Like, <laughs> the whole thing's just kind of like clumsy yeah like i love the coffee shop set we didn't talk about it but the the diner that the movie takes place Mm -hmm. a lot and in the first half hour that set is so it's such a cool diner um because it is this full glass like the outside of it is is full glass windows i think on two sides it's like on the corner of a street i think and so they get a lot of cool shots of the exterior of it which is you can see right it's like the it's it actually feels like they're setting they're shooting it like it's the nighthawks painting Mm -hmm, the painting yeah it feels like nighthawks so it's 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 a really beautiful diner i love that set every time they're there um and i love the way the ending is shot i love the way that that ending confrontation is shot but these don't really these aren't things that tie together under some kind of consistent aesthetic yeah the one diner thing that i have written in my notes that i thought was very funny the uh what sets the whole thing off is like the chloe grace Moretz character gets like beat up and put in the icu by the russian pimp but we don't see any of that we know this because Denzel shows up to the diner like he does every night. She's not there. And the guy that works behind the counter that is also there every night is like, oh, she's not here. She got beat up really bad. She's in the ICU. Which I was like, why the fuck does the guy at the diner have all this information? He's like mob connected, I guess. He's Is, is that what's going on? Because there's maybe... a moment later in the movie where they send a guy to get Denzel at the diner. And Denzel's eat, uh, he's just sitting there reading his book like usual. And one guy walks in and as soon as the guy walks walks in, he places an order and the guy who works the diner says, I'll be back in a minute. And the second he leaves the room, Denzel's like, are you just, were you going to fight or what? So I think like he leaves the room because he knows the guy who came in is like a mob hitman. Okay. I I feel like it's a mob diner. That's why they can do their like prostitute business out of the diner. Uh huh. Man, that makes way more sense than what was going on in my head which was just that she had the diner guy as her like emergency contact on the <laughs> hospital form like it's, just, it's, it's actually her dad yeah this is the only guy i know the coffee the late night pie guy at the diner he kills that diner guy with a, the, the 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 hitman they send to the diner he kills the book i wrote that down kills him with his book yeah i believe the time would have been i think that might have been don quixote yeah it was it was a thick one yeah he, he like punches the guy in the throat with it and then beats him Oh, he's uh he's also reading the books because that's what his wife 
was doing. He's a widower. Um, yeah, she liked fiction books too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like he's reading the hundred books to read before you die because his wife was before she died and she never finished. So he's finishing for her. So they have something to talk about when they meet again, which is very sweet, mm-hmm. but it's not something that really haunts him. It's just like a character trait to bring up themes in the movie. It's one yeah. of those like classics of dumb guy cinema where it's bringing up books to affect a sense of deeper like themes for the film, but doesn't actually really engage with it much. It's just kind of surface level. I think it also sets him up as like he's doing all this to help this young girl, but like he's not in any way like romantically or sexually motivated because he has been made inert in that department by his undying love for his dead wife, which he would never betray. He's a wife guy. He is. He's a wife guy till the bitter end. Well, the, the big thing that we didn't talk about yet is like the actual ending of the movie. Because after he kills the guy, and again, I cannot stress enough how much I cackled and loved when the rain hit. Not the rain. The 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 water sprinklers hit at the final shot because every action movie has the rainy night uh, action sequence. And this movie mm-hmm. figured out how to do one inside of a home depot, <laughs> um, which is just fucking genius. Uh, but after that, the resolution of the movie involves him staring out at the ocean Uh and it's all blue. It's like it's like a blue night shot. It looks like a Michael Mann scene. He's staring out at the ocean by himself, longingly. He's yearning. Um, while what's the song? The, the song from Heat plays. Uh, it's um, what is it called? It's a, it's Moby's cover of New Dawn Fades, hmm. which is used in Heat. While I believe it's right before the diner scene in Heat. It's right before the before Macaulay and Vincent uh, meet for the first time. So they took the song from heat and played it over a mock. They played a cover of it (laughs) over a mock-up of what would be a Michael Mann sequence. This doesn't contribute to anything because the movie doesn't have the romanticism of man. It's not a man style film. I would not even compare it to heat in the slightest, but they're like, for some reason riffing on Michael Mann while specifically taking a song from heat very weird without this saying all... it's not saying anything it's just like hey i've seen heat yeah <laughs> well this is all after Which, too. Oh, i think like... i think that's fucking awesome i love it actually well that happens though after uh there's like a little epilogue where he goes to moscow to oh, yeah. murder pushkin the like actual mob boss I love that. Out. <laughs> yeah, he he kills him like he's Agent 47 in the Hitman games because he's he meets the guy he's in the shower and he's just like, I'm here to kill you. But they have this like cryptic conversation. The guy's like, you're going to kill me? And he's like, yeah, I'm here to kill you. He's mm-hmm. like, oh, well, why don't you kill me? He's like, and he disappears. And th- the whole time Denzel is flipping the light on and off. Yeah, in the bathroom. I thought that was extremely funny. <laughs> but he also gets off in a sick uh, one liner before the kill where the guy is like, what are you going to get from killing me? And he's just like, peace. And then shoots him. <laughs> he doesn't shoot. He doesn't shoot him. He just, he just leaves. And the Russian guy gets out of the shower and is like, Oh, where right. Go. And he's like, where'd he, he go? And he him. goes over to the sink. He's like, where this fucking right, guy right, go? Right, right, right. And the sink's overflowing where Denzel was. And there's like loose electrical wires on the ground. So the Russian yeah. guy just happened to be standing there long enough that the water hits the electrical wires and electrocutes him. Yeah. Rude Goldberg style. It looked to me that it happened when, like, he touches the metal faucet to turn it off. Mm-hmm. That, like, he 
completed some kind of circuit that fried his body <laughs> it's it's a very goofy rube goldberg thing which is, is yeah. not how dental uh, all anyone else that. in the movie yeah it, it's and it's really funny because that's the kind of kill you do when you're setting up to be an accident like an assassination but as denzel leaves the like leaves the house you see that every single other dude in the house has been killed to death with like blood he's going down the stairs and there's a guy's body and there's blood on the wall it's like this no one no one thinks this was an accidental death yeah it looks like someone came in and killed style saved all of his flair for the the head honcho Mm -hmm. i want people to think the honcho died on accident after someone came in and killed all of his health (laughs) (laughs) he was so distraught after seeing all of his housekeepers murdered that he electrocuted (laughs) himself and Um, then it does the the staring out of the ocean scene from mm Um, the insider with uh, the song from heat playing. And he goes back to the diner and he's reading a new book, the third book of the movie. He's reading the invisible man, mm-hmm. which doesn't tie into the themes, except for the fact that he did all these murders and he saved people, but no one knows it was him. Well, he's also um, looking at Craigslist on his laptop. Yeah. Answering like, will you kill someone for me? Ads on <laughs> it, Craigslist. <laughs> it looks like he put up a listing. Cause I think the, what he's looking at is a reply to a listing. And the reply is like, it's like re do you need help um yeah, so i no. think he has like a i will kill people for you listing that's the uh that is what it is because that's the one like big callback to the tv show is that like the text of his craigslist post is the uh like personal newspaper ad that mm. the equalizer from the tv show had it's like nice uh, so, do you need to like are you down on your luck and need to even the odds or some shit like that to the to the effect that this movie has any kind of arc for its main character it's that he reverts to being a murder man again after living a life of peace because he promised because important notice he promised his dead wife he would never be that man again and then over the course of the movie he's like well i gotta gotta be the old man's gotta be the old man gotta do what you gotta do you can't escape who you are and for me it's murder guy (laughs) i'm murder man (laughs) superpower (laughs) I just thought that was really funny too that like he goes and uh commits like an international assassination <laughs> of a guy who the, they've like set up in his like file or whatever that he's like an oligarch. Yeah. That he's like has in Russia at least some kind of like mainstream he's not like a underground criminal or anything. Yeah. They describe so, like, him as ex KGB or something. He's like he was he was in the KGB and then when the union fell, he became he went private and now he's an oligarch who's involved in the mob. He's untouchable. Except yeah. for So like for all we know, this guy has just like kickstarted some massive international incident yeah. and then just goes home to post on Craigslist about <laughs> doing vigilante yeah. uh violence. I, I just killed one of the most powerful men in Russia. Do you need me to like <laughs> muscle your landlord or something? <laughs> I will well, equalize all matters, big and small. Is your kid stealing from grandma again? Call me in. I'll murder him. I'll kill him. him. <laughs> <laughs> your baby won't eat, eat their vegetables? Your dog need trained? Is your teacher given is your son's teacher giving him a C again? <laughs> yeah so uh i got your email saying that you would equalize my neighbor i'd just like some clarification (laughs) as to what you mean by that uh so i i just thought you were like a handyman um i thought we were just fixing stuff around the house and now i find out like my husband's like dead (laughs) yeah hey uh honey you know the guy that uh cut all the wood for us that we used on the back deck 
he says that he will beat up our neighbor if he <laughs> leaves his garbage cans out on the street again. Honey, um, I was looking through the trash um, that Robbie put out. And in like, you know, all the lawn stuff we had him take care of. Yeah. I saw like an arm in there. Was there supposed to be an arm in there? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just remembered I called the equalizer the other day. <laughs> I think it's a thing's equalized. He equalized our leaves. Good stuff. It's a great movie. Yeah, I wish, like, I think you could have gotten all the good stuff into, like, 90 minutes mm-hmm. pretty yeah. easily. Uh, that movie exists, and it came out last year. It's called Don't Breathe 2. Ugh. I know you don't like it. Don't Breathe 2. <laughs> this movie, kept, I kept watching this, and I'm like, it's like Don't Breathe 2. Yeah, it gets I, it gets raunchy in the last thirty minutes. <laughs> my, I think my my problem with Don't Breathe Two of like making that guy from the first one the protagonist of the movie could have been solved had it been Denzel Washington. Had I it would been, have been on his side, no matter what he had done in the previous movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean Denzel would make anything work. What if they made like a what if they made a sequel to Book of Eli, and it was Book like of Eli, the Don't Breathe Two. <laughs> Book of Eli, and the reason I thought of this movie for this show is that, like, I feel like I'm constantly seeing little bits of it on the TVs at the gym that they have, like, they always have on, like, TNT or, uh, like, BET, mm-hmm. and maybe it's just a cheap movie to play, but The Equalizer and and Book of Eli are just constantly playing on the TVs when I'm on the treadmill. The people love Denzel. He's like a people star. I feel like I got the the real dadcore viewing experience of The Equalizer where I had seen bits and chunks of it on a Planet Fitness TV over the course of like eight years before I sat down to properly watch it. For me, it was just the GIF. I'd only ever seen the GIF. That's all I knew about this movie was he disarms that guy. And then all I, good. I I didn't really know anything about the equalizer. I just know that it's the mo- or it's what Rob Reiner is yelling about during his introduction in The Wolf of Wall Street. Mm-hmm. Very I finally understand that, that someone's calling him during the equalizer. Did you look up like production history of this? Like if this movie was originally when it was first announced, supposed to be like Russell Crowe, directed by Paul Haggis. I did see that. Yeah, that sounds really strange. Like the director of Crash making Equalizer. I don't think it works. Yeah, it sounds worse. I do like. I think I would, Crow could, could yeah. do this for sure. I think Crow could do it. Crow in um, uh, what was that movie? Uh, un unhinged. Crow in full unhinged mode. I'm I'm sure Crow will pop up on this podcast s- sooner than later. Yeah. One other cool dumb guy line that he gets off during the movie is uh, I can't even remember who he says it to, but I have it written down. He says. When you pray for rain, you got to deal with the mud. Yes, I wrote that down too. I think that was in the diner scene. Not the diner. Sorry the the uh, the sit down with the, the Russian bag guy with Teddy. I think that was in his big call out when he tells him, "I'm going to kill you if you don't do what I say." Here's my phone number. Call me when you're ready to get murdered. Yeah, that guy has a cool thing too. The that's almost like the Don Draper. I don't think about you at all thing, where he's like. To me, you're like a piece of lint or a bottle cap or something that I just have to throw away. <laughs> you're just garbage to me. I like when they Denzel off... repeats that to him. Yeah, he he brings it back around. He does that um, earlier too when 
it's like after he has beaten up the cops, his security guard buddy is like, what happened to your hand? And he's like, oh, I hit it on something stupid, which earlier in the movie, when he asked Chloe Grace Moretz what happened to her face, she says something stupid. Mm. So, yeah, he's just everything anyone says to him, he's just locking away to pull back out in the future. He's like a, he's like the dude. He's just repeating what other people say out of context. His aggression will not stand. <laughs> There's another interview clip that I found right before this podcast started, actually. It was um, Denzel talking about the hardware store that they use for the end of the movie. Uh-huh. And he has a line and he says, um, any man or woman who thinks like that, like the main character of the movie, it's Disneyland for them. Everything is a weapon. <laughs> Man, yeah, he's right. Um, it is like fully maximalist Home Alone. Yeah. Like what if everything Kevin needed to kill the intruders, there were hundreds of on shelves everywhere. Do you need a drill? We can do that. Got a lot of drills. Oh. And he knows where all of it is because he works there. Yeah, perfect. It's funny to watch something like this that is just like pure schlubby middle class dad fantasy with nothing behind the eyes. It just does not care about being anything underneath that. There, there's no higher aims. There's no there's no meaning to anything that happens. There's no arc for the character. It's just stuff's going to happen. Denzel's going to make it good. He's going to kill a lot of dudes. You're going to have a good time because it's Denzel. That's it. That's all you need. There's no interior arc. The message of the film seems to be like, if you see something wrong and you can do something about it, you you should. Yeah. Yeah, Like you should do what you do, which is not feel bad about it. Yeah. Just murder them is what the movie says. (laughs) If that's your thing. If someone robs a store, you should murder them. But only after someone sets it up in dialogue that that guy has killed before. So it's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of that going on. The only people who doesn't kill are the crooked cops who get killed because they stop doing crooked things after he beats them up. He uh, He has a whole like you've disrespected the badge monologue to David Harbour too, which is like plays right into the whole, just like normie dad aesthetic that he's like very upset with him that, and he makes him like break down and be like, I used to be a good cop. I was a good cop. He like (laughs) makes him have this, uh, come to Jesus moment about what he has done to the idea of policing in his city. It's a very, uh, very by the book kind of Batman view of morality. Yeah. Of like he's a cop made a cop made his choice. Disrespected <laughs> the badge. <laughs> yeah. He has no interest in uh like helping David Harbour at all. He was like, here's your options. Turn yourself in and go to jail forever or get killed by the Russians. Yeah. Or I'll kill you. Yeah, or I will kill you yeah. myself. You 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 can go you can go to the FBI. I've turned you in. And you can give me all your stuff before you go to the FBI. I, uh, you, you can, the Russians can kill you or you can get equalized. Those are the three <laughs> options that I have before you make your choice. David Harbour and David Harbour makes the right choice. He goes into custody. I assume where he dies. I mean, like if a Russian oligarchs involved, I assume that it goes way higher up than just David Harbour, local cop 
for the Boston Police Department. Yeah, as soon as he's put into the general population of whatever jail he's in, he's yeah. just getting shanked immediately by some I've, Russian guy. I've seen guy. Law and Order. I know how this yeah. works. I'm watching The Wire, so oh, I know a little bit Order, about it. I just want to say, I think Law and Order steals the book thing and the diner thing and the prostitute thing from this movie. Um, so I, I've been watching Organized Crime, Detective Elliot Stabler. He's back. Mm-hmm. And in season two, he gets involved undercover with the Albanian mob. And a lot of season two, at least the first for that arc of season two, takes place in this diner in uh, in New York. And he gets a relationship with one of the waitresses. And the way they the way that they, he like connects to her is he orders a Monte Cristo sandwich. And he explains to her what it's how to pronounce it and what it's named after the book. And the book he keeps bringing up every time he talks to her and he tells her about the book. He even buys her a copy of it and gives her it. So she reads it to help her with her English. And she tells him how far she is as it gets to the show. And their entire relationship is based on understanding this book, which becomes like a a thematic element because he keeps coming back up. Um, And then he rescues her from like being human trafficked. Like it clearly is. It steals those bits from the equalizer. It feels like very directly. Except it's Albanian, I mean, not Russian. The the book in the diner is also just heat, yeah. too. Like I, that's a pretty old thing that they're riffing on. I think. Yeah, but here's very specific where it's involved with a waitress who's like becoming a, who's a prostitute, relating to the the vigilante slash cop guy who's going to save mm-hmm. her from prostitution, and also it's like the book in Heat's not a thematic element. The the book about metals. Yeah, yeah. It's not. True. It's not. A, it's not there as a parallel. This is what he happens to be reading. He just is interested in metals because he's going to rob a place. But, mm. but uh, overall, how you feeling about this? Would you? You think he'd recommend it to someone? Yes, like emphatically. The Equalizer is a real fun time. I spent uh, a significant chunk of this movie because it is so long and so slow. Like we kind of talked about that. Well, there's one issue with this movie. I think it needs to be a tight ninety, maybe a hundred minutes. Like, mm. it, like the perfect world version of this movie, I think, is 100 minutes long, just because I think revenge movies typically are best at about that length. And this movie does kind of drag a bit with those little side bits in the middle of the movie where he goes on side quests. Um, so it does drag a little bit. And I was kind of wondering how into it I was. But when that like second half of the movie really kicks into gear, especially that last like 30 minutes in the warehouse, is just incredible. I love that stuff. Like, yeah, I would recommend it easily. This is like, this is a classic six out of 10 kind of movie. This is the <laughs> easy recommend. It's like a six out of 10. You don't have to think too much about it. It's not doing much or saying much. It's a good time to sit down, not think too much about, and just hang out with for two hours and 12 minutes. And Denzel is mm-hmm. going to be there, like, you know, hanging out with you the whole time. It's your classic six out of 10 cable classic. Right. Yeah. I don't think I'm quite as high on it as you are. Like, I don't know if I having seen it i'm not like running out and telling people they should spend two hours and 15 minutes or whatever watching this movie but i would say that if you're flipping through the channels and it's on you should definitely keep it on yeah i I wouldn't choose to i don't think i would have chosen to put this movie on but if this movie was on i'm not turning it off and if you're looking for a good time to spend with denzel yeah the he pretty good you get like his cool torture killing man on fire mode you also get his uh like remember the titans coaching people mode you get the whole uh 
the whole wide breadth of what he has to offer as a screen performer. Um, but it's more fun talking about all of the cool and funny stuff in it, I think, than it was to actually like sit through all of it, if that makes sense. Like the the cool stuff was very cool. Mm. Um but the and the the fact that there isn't really anything else going on uh i i think makes it drag a little more the fact like it's nice um as just something to have on mm-hmm. and shut your brain off to because you can and not really miss much but if you are like actively watching it i think it 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 slows it down a lot the fact that there's nothing really for your mind to chew on during the bits that aren't denzel killing people there's a lot of really cool bits in it that like I was cackling at when they would happen. Like the murder vision, when it first pops up and he does a Sherlock Holmes <laughs> thing is hilarious. Uh, I love it when they do the bit where they come to invade his house and it turns out he's in a different house. Yeah. Just, just, the, uh, they, do the, they do the switcheroo. Silence of uh, the lands is them. In between those moments, there's a lot of dead air, mm-hmm. which is where I think like right. the 90 minute version of this movie or the hundred minute version of this movie, just like, I think it, it goes at a, I think it just like keeps you engaged more by getting to those high points more often. Mm-hmm. Um, which doesn't exist. Yeah, it can drag. It can drag. Definitely, it's one of those. Yeah, I think like this movie. I don't know. For me, this this is like could have been a four out of five if it was a little tighter, but it kind of falls into classic six out of ten mode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I fully agree with you. Uh, Although, so like, that as was... a dad movie, you kind of can't get a higher record. Like there, there, there are like. It's kind of like a classic recommendation for like a dad movie. I think my dad would like this movie. Like I would recommend this to my dad. Like go go watch Denzel Washington beat up some dudes for two hours. Mm-hmm. What so, would you give it? What out of five? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think I'm sitting at like a three. Mm-hmm. Three out of five for me. Fun, like, um, dumb but unpretentious, mm-hmm. uh, which is nice. It really is not trying to be anything other than what it is yeah and for me like i i love a three out of five i prefer to actually say six out of ten i think six out of ten sounds more fun mm, it's bigger um, numbers yeah it's more it's, cool. it's the only one where i prefer a 10 than a five but yeah it's like i don't know it's yeah it's fun it's six out of tens are some of like the most fun movies like this um or a movie like a cop shop from last year was really fun not and i haven't seen that it's real good. It's real good, unpretentious uh, Jerry Butts movie. Well, that was uh, Bullet. That was not Bullet. That was not wow. Bullet. <laughs> that Close, was though. Uh... It did have this. This had more bullets than Bullet. God, wow, yeah, man, that I that should show you uh, where this movie sits with me compared to Bullet. <laughs> Still in Bullet mode. Well, I mean, I think it actually Bullet would be a more accurate title for this movie. I think Equalizer might be a more accurate title for Bullet. He does mm, more. Things become more equal by the end of Bullet yeah and there's more bullets used in this one (laughs) uh okay well yeah that was uh that was the equalizer i think we've said all we've got to say about that it's it's a very kind of straightforward movie even though it's borrowing parts from so many other movies there's not a ton to say about it other than the fact that there's a bunch of parts of it that own real hard Mm -hmm. but that's it it's a good time hang out with denzel for two hours uh we'll be back next week with i think we decided to do Planet of the Apes. Planet of the Apes, yeah. Charlton excited. Heston, another another classic movie star movie. Going back to 1968. Yeah, excited to uh to watch it and talk about it. Thanks for listening and uh we'll be back next week. Yeah, I guess catch us on Twitter. I'm I'm Brandon. 
That one oh, at 64 right. is my at. Yeah, I'm the tomboy. We're I follow uh, Dadcore Cinema. It's our Twitter at for the podcast. That's the first right. episodes there. Bye. Everything becomes a weapon. As you were saying, that men or women who think like that, it's Disneyland for them. I mean, everything is everything is a tool. I look at the Nestle's Crunch and figure out, you know, I'll feed you to death or <laughs> something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we'll do that on the next one. Just shove baby roots down his throat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eat yeah that. you like that? Huh? <laughs> look at the sugar rush. Yeah. <laughs>